Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite weekly podcast with Sujai Johnson, Margie Zintz, and Vivek Patel. We are glad to have you here. We share concepts and strategies that help parents have more harmonious relationships with their kids and different ideas that can help you get through the struggles of parenting. We know parenting can be hard sometimes, and we want to offer whatever support we can. You can find us on Facebook by typing in Gentle Parents Unite, and also on our Patreon, also by typing in Gentle Parents Unite. So grab a notebook and a pen so you can jot down your ideas and questions. And we look forward to spending the next little bit of time with you, sharing ideas around parenting. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite podcast. I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Vivek Patel. Hi, Vivek. How are you today? I am great, Sujai. Great. So happy to be talking with you again this week. I'm really excited too, Vivek. We have this great opportunity today. We have an amazing special guest. Um, We are blessed to welcome your daughter, Veets Patel, back to the podcast with us. Hi, Veets. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Incredibly excited to be here talking with you. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here too. It's wonderful that we got a chance to record you um, interviewing with us a few months ago. And now we're getting a chance to do it again. And you know, when we did... Sorry, what was that? I can't believe it was months ago. I thought it was just like a couple weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) And that's amazing, right? Yeah. It was definitely before all the social isolation stuff happened. So That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're almost two months into the quarantine now. We're right around two months. Wow. Good point. Wow. Mm, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had our members from our um, Gentle Parents Unite Becoming Gentle Patreon group prepare some questions for you today and things that adults <laughs> who are raising their children and um, considering this path or practicing this path might like to know from the adult child of someone who was raised gently. So um, Vivek, would you like to go ahead and read us a question? Yeah, sure. You know, it's interesting when I, when I posted the request for these questions, I asked people, go over the questions that we asked last time, listen to the podcast from last time and try and go deeper this time because I wanted people to ask different things and because uh, you know it's very interesting for people who have young kids and they're trying to raise them without punishments they're trying to raise them without consequences they're trying to raise them without force um, and coercion which is kind of the standard way that parenting is done and to jump off that path is such a revolutionary thing even to this day maybe it was more revolutionary 23 years ago when you and i got started doing this beats <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's still pretty revolutionary. And then to ask someone who's, ex- who's lived this way for 23 years now, almost 23 years, any day now, um, <laughs> you know, what's it like? What do you, what's, what's life like for you? And what kind of person are you? And um, how do you relate to the world? And so that's what a lot of the questions are. And uh, I want to know, I'm just curious if you have anything that you want to say in general about all of this before I jump into asking you a question. I don't really have anything to say. I'm quite excited to see what people have asked and 
that's it really. Awesome. So the very first question is a very kind of philosophical one. It's what is your quest? <laughs> very complex question. Mm -hmm. With a sort of simple answer. Uh, I would just say I just want to be happy. That's my quest to continuously try to be ha as happy as I possibly can and content with everything I'm doing. Hmm, that's amazing. And how do you, uh, how do you work on that? How, does that? how does that manifest in your life, in your thinking, in your choices? I would, I try to make sure that when I make a decision, it's not out of fear or self, self-loathing or something like that. And it's really from like the true place in me that's making that decision mm. that knows that this will make me happy no matter what the outcome is. Cause I know this is the thing I really want kind of thing. Oh, so it's like the place that you make the decision from is where your joy comes from. Cause it's authentic. Not so much always necessary. You said no matter how it turns out, you're still going to feel yeah. happy about it. Mm -hmm. Cause I knew I wanted to try this thing. Or, or buy this thing or talk to this person or whatever. And like, if I'm able to do it, I'll feel happy in the end because I was able to, to do or say or buy that thing. Hopefully that makes sense. It does make sense. And it's incredibly deep and beautiful. Um, you know, I'm the same way, but I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only just the same way where I make decisions from what feels like good to me where I'm able to check in with myself and really know what I want and what comes from my place of joy. I've only been able to do that for maybe the last four years now. So it's really powerful and amazing that you can consciously make the decision to be that way at such a young age. Mm. Yeah. But getting there at any point is, is good. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, because life is too short to live mm -hmm. it a, any other way. And I think some people might push back against us a little bit, like, um, you know, it might be selfish to live mm -hmm. for your joy, or um, it might be like a self-centered perspective or point of view we're coming from where we honor ourselves so truly. And um, personally... I feel that it's exactly the opposite because as humans, we're inherently kind and loving and generous and all of these other amazing traits, right? And so mm -hmm. um, what makes us feel good isn't necessarily something that's just going to go out there and tear up the world and make everybody around us feel bad. How do you think about that? That's exactly how I feel. I couldn't have worded it better. The thing that brings me the most happiness is making other people happy. So. <laughs> beautiful yes yeah yeah i really wonder why people have this idea of um you know caring for yourself means automatically you're going to be uh you know selfish in the bad way that we use the word selfish entitled and arrogant not mm -hmm. caring about other people mm -hmm. it's um I think it's deeply rooted in the authoritarian paradigm and the ways that we, 
you and I, Vivek, <laughs> we're taught, we're so much um, control-based and manipulation-based and the, I do this for you because you do this for me, as opposed to the intrinsic motivation of, I love you and you're, you know, you have needs and because I love you, I'm seeking out those needs and finding ways to meet those needs. And um, it's a different place we come from and we all have that place inside of us. And we've been programmed on top of that to have these ideas where we're like, you know, we'll all do the dishes if you'll take out the garbage instead of, hey, let's hang out together. We're going to clean the house. <laughs> mm -hmm. Beats, I have a follow-up question for you. Yes. So I have a lot of follow-up questions for you. So, <laughs> so this, one is, this one is about the, the quest for happiness and, uh, and making decisions. Um, so let's say you make a decision and then you reflect on it later and you feel like, oh, may maybe it wasn't from that place. Um, how, do you, how do you deal with it when you, when you do that self-reflection? Because I know you're a very self-reflective person. And you think a lot about your life. And you think a lot about your choices. Yeah. So when you do do something, do do, I said. When you do do something that's out of alignment. <laughs> you do a lot. I did. I do. I do. I do do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, how, do you, how do you relate to that? How do you work with that? I make sure I'm in a mentally well space first. And then I... I zoom out and look at the my surrounding life and emotions at the time of making that decision and see what influenced it. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And then you take that information really? and you use it to manage the next Better time. myself. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and again, the, the same process is that I use and the same processes that your dad uses in his work and in his daily life and um, it, it processes that we as um, mature, <laughs> full-grown adults um, have only found the tools to use over the last years and not so much, you know, um, in our youth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think because I was able to see how my dad could reflect on things, I like subconsciously started doing that myself. And it's really helped me out just throughout life and stuff and the last year of healing and whatever. Ah, yes, yeah. your family's been through quite a bit in the last year, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, yeah. I, this um, isn't in the questions, but I would love to ask you, um, for the listeners, the Patel family has gone through a lot of um, sickness, particularly um, Vita's grandma, Shivani, has gone through quite a bit, and she's lost her grandfather this um, just a couple months ago. So how do you manage the grief and the hard times, all of the times in the hospital and all of this difficult stuff? How does um, that manifest in your life and in what ways do you manage that trauma? I, 
I don't know. I just can. I am not. I don't know. <laughs> That's my honest answer. I can't tell you. Mm, yeah. Um, mm. Have you felt, um, I'm sure you've felt a lot of really uncomfortable feelings over the last year with, you know, having your loved ones in the hospital and losing loved ones and everything. Have you felt safe and secure over the last year and like you had the resources and the people and the things that you needed to get through it? Yeah, for sure. I wasn't that affected by it, honestly. I thought everyone, I, I had this feeling that everyone was going to be fine, so I wasn't too affected with them always being in the hospital, honestly. Mm, yeah. I had other stuff going on personally that felt like it was getting in the way. Me, my own emotions were getting in the way of me feeling anything for while they were in the hospital and everything as well if that makes sense it does yes absolutely life um doesn't slow down for us ever does it <laughs> nope that's for sure you know i want to share another uh another perspective on on this question too um for you these having that experience because you know our lives pretty much from the day you were born have been full of challenges and um, health challenges, financial challenges, relational challenges, all sorts of things. And so we've been working together through our whole, through our whole lives, through you and, you know, you and me and, and your mom, to manage those things as consciously as we can, as collaboratively as we can. And so part of that, of course, is having a certain perspective on life you know um, we we know that challenging and difficult and painful things happen it's not a surprise and it's kind of like how do you how do you deal with them as just a natural part of life rather than it every time something like that happens it it, it, it tears you down and uh, mm -hmm. I think you have a lot of resources for managing those kind of things that maybe you're just not even like you said, you're not even sure how, you said, I just do. I'm not sure how I do. And I think a lot of those resources came from like just years of working through uh, challenges together. Yeah, that, that seems pretty, pretty probable. <laughs> I'd have to think about that deeper, but that seems, mm -hmm. that, that resonates pretty well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, being around sickness and being around death have been, uh, and being around, you know, the struggles of life have, haven't been something that we've shied away from, from talking about or working through together, you know, because it's always been yeah. around, so. True. Yeah. Our perspective can make a big difference in how we, uh, how we manage things. Mm-hmm. So speaking of perspective, the next question is a good one. It has a lot to do with perspective. It actually has the word perspective in it. So I might, I might as well read it. Um, are you ready to go on to a new question? Yeah, sure. All right. So this is about school, primarily school. It's about the real world, but it's also about, I think, focused on school. And it's, I would say it's kind of a two-parter. So the first part of it is, what is your perspective on the, what is your perspective on the real world, particularly at school, where there have been so many rules and 
um, and not gen not necessarily gentle ways of enforcing those rules, dealing with not nice teacher, the coercive system, and adults abusing their authority. How did you manage that? How did you deal with um, with that whole with that whole system? Can you can you like break up that question? That was yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, it reminds me of this. It reminds me of this time when I was uh, I was testifying in court against some fraud case, and the lawyer for the for the defense asked me like ten questions in a row, and I uh, but made it all sound like one question. And I turned to the judge and said, "Can I get a piece of paper and a pencil so I could write all that down?" That was more than I can process <laughs> in one day. <laughs> and, the, and the judge, the judge says to the lawyer, "Maybe you could just ask him one question at a time." <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> uh, you know, interestingly, I think that this next question is really parallel to what we were just talking about, and it's really about how you manage hardships and things that are outside the gentle realm, which I think it's a really interesting concept. This, um, we hear it a lot in our groups where people will tell us, well, you're not preparing your children for the real world because the real world is this harsh and scary, dangerous place full of a lot of cruelty and meanness and hardships and all kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that <clears throat> I think that talking about dealing with hardships and um, going through everything that you went through in the last year and all of that is very parallel to this question and that they're really wondering how you manage dealing with this world outside the home, which also, I think is very parallel to a question that was asked in the last podcast, and you said something so beautiful about how home was like your safety box away from it all. Mm. I vaguely remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. loved it. Yes. <laughs> I held on to those words because um, so much it comes up for us as um you know, admin for these groups and for helping people through everything that they go through as parents and their paradigm shift and all of it. And um, They really wonder if we're preparing our children to be able to deal with authoritarian adults who abuse their power, to have healthy relationships, to manage hardships such as, you know, um, when relationships end and when um, people, when our loved ones are going through physical suffering and all of these things that come up in the, I, I use air quotes when I say it, in the real world as if <laughs> being raised gently at home actually um, was some alternate reality from being in the real world, right? Because we're there. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're both the real world. They're just different ends of the spectrum. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Having, having a place where I felt I was safe to express myself and what I was going through very much helped me whenever there was a power-tripping teacher or whoever, I think. Mm. 
yeah it still definitely affected me now like that pa those past events but probably not as intensely as it could have been if I didn't have a support system and a safe safe place like I do at home or did then or whatever and you mentioned that it still had an effect on you right it still yeah it still had an effect on you because how can it mm -hmm. not and you feel it mm -hmm. even now eh? like how does that how does that come up for you like now that you're 23 how does that come up for you now um, I've been, I've been slowly reviewing my life over the last year to see mm. what traumas I have and what I should work on. And some of the, I think there's, there's a teacher I had in grade one, a French teacher who was like a vampire, we called her because she always had all the lights off. We were never allowed to talk. We weren't allowed to go to the washroom. We couldn't move. And we, every time we talked, it was like the wrong answer for anything. And so I think having that subconsciously in my, myself has affected me now. And my perspective on trying to be perfect at everything or not a burden for certain things. Which I've only just recently realized. But that all the way back then is what's causing me to feel certain ways now wow that's that's so intense to hear Th thank you for sharing that no problem yeah what a thing that is to, to unravel eh mm. inside of ourselves mm -hmm. it's been an interesting process hmm. personally Yeah, I'm really curious how you, how you, how that unraveling happens for you. What do you do? What do you do with that awareness once it comes up? I mean, it's amazing that you ha were able to, um, to have that awareness uh, of that cause and effect. And then mm -hmm. once you once you have it, what do you do with it? I I keep unraveling it, and then instead of unraveling to find the problem. I unravel it to try and find the solution in a way or a, a yeah, a solution, a, an antidote, a healing thing, something to make sure that I can use it in a positive way instead of this negative bring me down way. Mm. Or to just have it as a memory and not an effect, a memory to affect me. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, so many people think that uh, the purpose of gentle parenting or the idea behind gentle parenting is that our kids never suffer or go through any trauma or any problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, and um, and I think you know the the world the world presents us with problems and and trauma uh, all throughout our lives. We can't really avoid that. Mm -hmm. And I think that. Um, you know, one of the things, the best things that we can give our kids is tools to manage it. And, uh, and those tools are learned over a long period of time because they're, they're challenging tools. Mm -hmm. they're, they're deep things. And I think that's when, what, your, what, your, uh, what your explanation points to is that you have 
certain inner resources and tools that you can draw on to, to, to keep evolving and growing towards the quest that you had, which is to be whole and happy and content with yourself and in your life. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Because, you know, the next question that, that was related to this was um, being in the school system, did it create fear? Uh, and you just kind of answered it saying yes to some degree, right? Did it create fear yeah. of authority, the need to conform, to please, um, and, uh, and the fear around uh, like measurement and grades and self-worth and all that kind of stuff that happens to kids in school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that happened to me. But like I said before, just at a lesser degree, I think because I could talk about it and I had a support system, a good support system, both at home and with friends. Mm. Mm -hmm. And mainly the grade stuff happened in high school, which was when I had a good support system for friends as well, which was nice. Right. Right. How did that help? Uh, What do you mean? How did having a support system with friends help with managing help? Uh, I just misheard the word. Right. Okay. It was kind of because we were all going through the same thing. We could all vent together and, and empathize, sympathize with each other. And it just helped that way, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Friend systems are so important in life. I agree. And so growing up, have you mostly had the same group of friends um, throughout your life? or um, I had the same group of friends from kindergarten to grade eight. And then I moved schools and stopped talking to all of them pretty much. And then got a new yeah, group of friends. Happens. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the new group of friends I got are definitely like, I love them so much. There's four of them. <laughs> And only two from high school, and I'll be with them forever. And I'm so glad I've uh, met them. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And they're part of the family, too. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Managing relationships in life can be one of the most difficult things that we ever undergo, I think, um, in the long haul, right? Being able mm-hmm. to get through tricky things with people and hard times and disconnections and all of that stuff is really a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to learn that some people in your life aren't supposed to be there, even if you feel like they should be. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And setting boundaries with those people can be hard because um, we feel they should be there because we have a lot of caring and love for them. And yet the relationship just doesn't have the mutuality that's so important to make it a healthy relationship. And Mm -hmm. setting boundaries when we have those feelings of love can be really difficult. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you feel fairly confident in your ability to set boundaries? Now I do, more so than I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. That, that probably, <laughs> yeah, just, just learning it really, sharpening 
sharpening my ability to use it. My bound, my boundaries, sharpening my boundaries, whatever. I think you understand. <laughs> I got you. Yes. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. So do you have many personal boundaries? Are you pretty easygoing about it or? My, my boundaries are very solid, but because I'm so chill, people don't feel my hard boundaries. Oh. Can, can, yeah. can you tell me a little bit more about that? It's, um, it's kind of like, I guess it's like that my, my dad always never saying no to me, even when he had to say no, it's kind of the same thing. I do to people. They don't know I'm really saying no if I'm changing the plan or something or saying yes, but in a different way to something else that I actually want to do that I don't want to do. Or I say hard notes, of course. When necessary. Yeah, of course. But I, I feel yeah. like that's a little bit more harsh and I try not to be harsh with people because you don't know what they're going through. Mm, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an amazing combination to be able to hold your, to know your own boundaries and to hold your own boundaries and yet to do it with an eye towards the other person's experience as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think when we're learning, I mean, I know for me, certainly I can say when I'm, when I first started to learn to hold my own boundaries, um, <laughs> And it's still going on, you know, it's still going on because I let them, I let them get melty a, a lot. But, uh, but when I first started, first started the process, um, because it was so new and I didn't think I was worth holding my boundaries and I didn't think I, I was, it was, um, you know, something that I, that was, uh, um, what am I trying to say? I didn't think I had the right to hold my own boundaries, you know, if it was impinging on someone else in any way. And so mm -hmm. I, had to, I had to be a little over aggressive about it. I found that I had to, in the first stages of it, I had to be overly aggressive about it, really push, push, push. Uh, and, uh, and it was hard for me to do it and to tune into the other person's uh, experience and to have compassion for what they might be going through at the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, hearing you talk about it like that, it really, uh, really helps me to see like a different way of, of relating to it where I can I can learn to hold the boundaries and at the same time still be tuned into the other person caring for their experience mm -hmm. I think I started doing that in a in a neg as a negative when I was younger because I didn't want to be disliked mm. but now I use it as a positive so that I can hold my boundaries and the other person feels good so there's been an evolution yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's really quite something. Sounds like a very positive and healthy way to hold boundaries while honoring yourself and respecting your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my one-liners uh, is, I didn't want to teach my kid to respect boundaries. I wanted to teach my kid to want to respect boundaries, mm. which is totally different. Because respecting mm -hmm. boundaries has this like fear kind of thing around it. Um, but wanting to respect boundaries comes from your, your care for yourself and your care for the other person. And that's what I hear really clearly reflected in, in what you're saying. It's like caring for both. 
at the same time. Cool. Yeah. I like my one-liners. You have a lot of them. <laughs> I love your one-liners. <laughs> They're awesome. I was going to ask you to compile them for me, Vivek, so that we can start creating um, more merchandise for our listeners and members and viewers and everybody. So I was going to ask you if you could compile a list of all of your one-liners and we could create some great merchandise. For sure. All that's of a, this great, amazing, inspiring insight. That's a great idea, Sujai. I know we have a mug right now that has my kids are not acting out, they're reaching out saying on it. And, uh, mm -hmm. and you can get that on, you can get that at bonfire.com, right? If you type in Gentle Parents Unite. Yes, it's bonfire.com backslash store backslash Gentle Parents Unite. And we have quite a bit of merchandise and we've just launched the cup that you're talking about. Kids are not acting out, they're reaching out. And I know this comes out in a couple of weeks, so we'll already be done with this round of the giveaway. But on our Patreon group, we are giving away three of those mugs to um, randomly selected winners. We um, simply by being a member of the Patreon and commenting on the post, that's the giveaway post, you're entered to win. And then um, on this Friday through random selection, which will be done on live broadcast so that everybody can see that it's kept fair and random, um, we'll be announcing the winner of, or the three winners of the mugs. And we do this from time to time on our Patreon group where when we launch new merchandise or just as a membership appreciation thing, we like to do giveaways to share our merchandise with you. Mm, that's great. Um, yes, I will get to work on that. I have a lot, awesome. so it'll, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vitz, I have another question for you. Sujai, did you want to ask a question? No, I'm good. All right, I'll keep going really then. really enjoying listening. Great. Um, question, how was, how was religion introduced to you, if it was at all? And I'll say religion and spirituality, because they kind of go together. What do you follow today and why? And how has it impacted your life? Um, religion I more viewed it as spirituality when I was growing up it was more shown to me expressed to me as a general spiritualness while showing different stories and and facts I don't know what the right word is <laughs> from different religions and everything mm. I don't follow a specific religion. I'm more of just a general spiritual person, I guess. I don't know how to exactly explain it. There's something out there, but I don't want to put a name or a face or a gender on it. It's just a thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's more and, like a feeling or an emotion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess uh, it impacts me now because I kind of think everything is meant to be. Everything has a purpose, even if it sucks. <laughs> it's still <laughs> still meant to be for something, maybe, hopefully in the future. 
or maybe for someone else for some reason? Yeah, you know, it, it really is true. Some of the harder stuff in life that happens to us really can shape a lot of who we are. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Did you ever feel any kind of um, pressure or expectation around spiritual practices of any kind? I mean, like, as I'm like, we were all, it was always part of our lives and I'm mm -hmm. always meditating and chanting and whatever. Um, and, uh, and I'm just wondering if you ever felt any, any kind of, I mean, I would try to be very conscious of it, but that doesn't mean that, I, that it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And if you felt any pressure around it or if you felt like you were really able to do your own exploration. I think like when I was really young, I felt like I had to meditate and had to do all the prayers and all that. Mm. But that didn't last long. And then I just started doing my own thing. And now we're here. Right. Yeah. All right. Do you currently do you currently do some of those practices when you're feeling out of sorts? Like meditating or chanting or whatever? Mm-hmm. Nope. I still just do my own own thing. Well, I meditate in my own way. I don't sit quietly and with my eyes closed or whatever. I usually like listen to music and read. That's my meditation. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Music can be incredibly cathartic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that in your younger years, there would have been more pressure. And then as I, you know, was able to evolve my own understanding, I was able to create more and more space for you to, to have your own way. Mm -hmm. Been kind of learning. In the, I often tell people that in the beginning, the only thing I knew was um, that I wanted to do things differently, but I didn't know what that meant, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And you've called yourself uh, my guinea pig very many times. Yep. And uh, so I think that's important, you know, for parents to be willing to keep evolving. Yeah. Evolution is key. Yeah, and I took a lot of I took a lot of cues from that from you, right? If I would, either either I would notice you didn't like something or something wasn't working, or you would, thankfully come right out and tell me <laughs> and then I would make real efforts to adjust. Um, cool. Do you think that, do you think that's true? Do you have that? Do you have that memory, that experience of me, of our relationship? I have, no, I have no memory of that. I just remember that I felt some pressure and then it was gone like very soon after mm. <laughs> for, for most things or I don't remember any, any real conflicts or uncomfortableness or you evolving to help me I guess because you did that it made it easier for me to grow grow mm. up I don't know entirely how to say it <laughs> hopefully so that you, comes across um, I think that what you were saying is actually really beautiful is that um, you weren't you don't have a memory of him doing the work and shifting. You have a memory of there being pressure and then there wasn't because your dad was able to keep his own work 
away from you in a way that it, it didn't impact you negatively mm-hmm. and become part of your inner voice where, you know, you knew he had to do a bunch of work around this for him to be yeah. okay with you not participating. And um, so I think that as, as a parent is really an important thing to remember and take in is that when we do have work to do around something that we do it ourselves and sometimes it can help to involve the children in our work. But when we have a lot of big emotional stuff that we're going through, processing that without putting and projecting what we're processing and going through onto the kids is super valuable. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go on. I really like, before I do, I really like the fact that you, uh, I want to say that I really like the fact that you have managed to find forms of meditation that really work for you, that really um, ways of connecting with your own spirit, ways of connecting with your own inner self, your deep wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. And that there and there are ways that like really resonate with, with who you are. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was my form of meditation until like six months ago. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and then I realized that it was, and then I like heavily pushed into it, and it was very nice. Haha! Wow. Always learning, always evolving, eh? Mm-hmm. I love it. I try to. Yeah. All right. Here's a good one. I think it's one that a lot of parents struggle with. Um, this one parent says, "One of my fears is that I will teach my kids to do what they love." but it doesn't necessarily honor financial security. Do you wish your parents had encouraged you to do something or to find something that was financially sound first and foremost before looking at whether it was a passion? No, no. What? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's go for money, not my passion. No, That's- I would rather go for my passion over the money. I did choose the money first because I felt I needed a job to just get the experience mainly. And I kind of wish I didn't, even though it was very useful. I wish I like looked for something I was actually passionate about to work in and not just the first job that came to me kind of in a way, Mm. even, even though I have no regret going to the job, I learned so much and I got some great friends out of it. Still, maybe like six months longer, I could have worked with, like, in a sneaker store, sneaker sneaker store or something instead of something I was less no had no passion for. Right. And how how would you how would you uh, how would you advise parents who do have that fear? Like, they got to push their kids into becoming doctors or lawyers or at least something that's got that financial stability. And then, because you hear all the, a lot of the time, and then you can find out what you'd like to do later and do that as a hobby. But I'm trying to keep you safe. I'm trying to keep you secure. I'm trying to give you something that'll, you know, make you okay in life. And that's what they think they're doing when they, when they put that pressure on their kids. Mm-hmm. I think hobbies and passions, or whatever you want to call it, are equally, if not more important than the stability. Because without like right now a lot of people have discovered they have no hobbies because of this quarantine Ah. and they're suffering 
<laughs> because of it. A lot of my friend, a couple of my friends are like that, and they're they're like kind of freaking out about it because they have they only had school mm. up until last year this quarantine. And I think because I was able to figure out all my different hobbies and and loves for things as I was growing up, it's helped me stay sound in a way. <laughs> What's the word you used? Stay, stay, stay stable, stay mm. sound, stay, sound. I don't know. They will stay some sort of synonym of those words. Mm. <laughs> I heard found at first. That's why I was asking. That too, in a way. Yeah. Interestingly, there's actually studies that show that hobbies can help us to live more happy, fulfilled, and longer lives. <laughs> I can totally see that, for sure. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, I had another thought about this as you guys were talking and it's kind of fluttered away from me as my thoughts often do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Same. Like dust in the wind. <laughs> yeah, money is an interesting thing. Money causes a lot of stress. It causes stress in relationships. It causes stress in families. It causes stress uh, within ourselves. And of course, we do need money um, to survive in, in society. And so how we relate to money with our kids is so important, you know. Um, okay. One of my sayings is the value of money is love. People always say, oh, I got to teach my kid the value of money. And I ask them, okay, well, what is the value of money? And then they don't know. <laughs> I think that we could um, turn hobbies or passions or things that we love doing into viable money-making options or opportunities if we go about it with the right drive. And, you know, a lot of times parents might say something like, you know, artists don't make any money or, you know, writers don't make any money. And maybe you could go into this field because, you know, a nurse is guaranteed to be employed anywhere and <laughs> makes pretty decent money. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, if you're truly passionate about what you do and you put in the time and the energy, you can really turn anything into a lucrative money-making endeavor. And also, I think that there's something else to be said for um, a lot of parents feel that the ultimate goal in parenting is raising their children to go out into the world, to live on their own, to support themselves financially. And I feel that that's rather arbitrary. And in fact, um, I have a 24 year old son who lives on his own and has a job, supports himself, has a girlfriend, does his own life. And um, so much, I want to draw him back closer to me so that I can support him and help him because I see how dedicated he is to working and how hard it is for him to get by in today's society. Um, even, you know, um, he doesn't have kids yet and a lot of extra bills and all of that stuff. And he's still, and he's had the same job for four years now. 
Mm. And yet financially he still struggles a lot. And um, I feel that this whole society idea that our children should be moving away from us to do their own lives, it's rather arbitrary and it doesn't actually serve us very much as a society. I think that being able to live together in, fa in families where everybody functions together as a family shouldn't be quite as frowned upon as a social construct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. It would probably make the world go smoother in a way. <laughs> mm, for, for a lot of people. Um, I know you all live in Canada and things are a little bit different. Here in the U.S., there's a statistic. Um, the average working American family is one unexpected $400 bill away from homelessness. From homelessness, did you say? Yes, from homelessness. Wow. And if we could draw together more as family units, more um, to the model of the way that Latin communities do so, they could have, you know, five, five generations living under the same roof and mm -hmm. everybody kind of falls into that structure, you know, um, within their own abilities and their own skills. A lot of the grandparents will be taking care of the little kids and the mm -hmm. um, able-bodied middle-aged people will be going and bringing in the money and, um, you know, the younger people have their places where they help out around and everybody kind of fits into a overall family structure. And this model, given healthy family dynamics is actually um, a very stable, safe, and secure model. Mm -hmm. Also, when we lean into not putting so much weight on when our children move out, and certainly not like arbitrarily 18, <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> shoo, shoo. <laughs> um, when we take away that pressure level, then we can lean into um, finding our passions and what we feel really good about in life and leading lives that are more fulfilling for everybody, um, our children and ourselves included. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I resonate with that. <laughs> you know, I think uh, some of the reason that mindset exists i know it's deeply embedded into the into the consciousness of society that kids have to move out at a certain age whatever i think part of the reason that exists is i think there's two parts of it um, that both come down to the same or similar um, cause and i think it's because most homes and society are based on a hierarchical power structure where the parents have a certain power, they have systemic power, but they also have like personal power that they, they use. And then they impose that power on their kids. And financial power as well. Exactly, access to resources, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Let alone children being the only demographic that can legally be, legally be struck. Um, so you have all of this power and then parents using it uh, in you know, ways that are based in that control paradigm for, with the power, um, it's, just, it's just not a pleasant experience for anybody. It's not a pleasant for the parents. It's not pleasant for the kids, um, especially then kids grow into teenagers where they're starting to find their, 
more find their way in the world and who they are and, and, and their limitations. And then parents uh, get frustrated and then the arguments and then the, you know, the rebellion and all this stuff happens. By the time they're 18, everybody wants to just like shift the dynamic, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, the, and the get the kid out or either get the kid out, go find your own way, I've supported you. Um, or the kids saying, look, I, I'm out of here. I mean, I was, I was so happy to get out when it was time for me to, when I was able to go to university. I was like, there's no way I'm going to university in Toronto. No effing way. <laughs> get, get me out, right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I didn't wait till I was 18. Mm. Unfortunately, you, oh, go ahead. That's okay. I was just going to ask Vitz, like, how do you feel about that whole idea of moving out, having to moving out, living with your parents? the pressure around it or the way the home, home life is? I, uh, I appreciate not feeling the pressure to have to move out and having it more of a want to move out for my own growth instead of running from running away from something I don't want to be around Mm. yeah the moving out thing is something eh? like we on the it's like finding that balance on the one hand there's no pressure for you to move out because you know this is your home as much as it is our home it's exactly the same Mm -hmm. it's not like you're leaving your parents home it's your home but (laughs) and at the same time we've never uh well I mean I talk about moving into your basement when you move out (laughs) 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 Uh, but at the same time we do it in a way that's like if when you do want to move out and when you're ready to spread your wings and 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 shift your living dynamic that you have complete support in that so it's Mm -hmm. it's both it's it's support in both support and staying and support and going because it's yeah it's trusting your path I think there's a lot of security in knowing that it's also always a safe place to come back to should you go out and spread your wings and find that, you know, the struggle is real and um, financial ends can sometimes really sink us. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's nice to feel like I can come back here and it will be all uh, like a place I can regather myself and then go back out beats mm-hmm. you're about to be 23 very soon oh gosh yeah and i know <laughs> your birth your birthday is coming up mm-hmm. and uh as a young adult a lot of a, a couple of people ask questions about dating and sexuality um how has how has being raised the way you have been being being encouraged to create your own value system, the way you have your own relationship with yourself. How has it affected your desire to and the way you, in, the way you relate to dating and the way you relate to, uh, to sexuality? Because somebody mentions that the ACE study um, talks about how adverse experiences when we're young create, uh, create inc- an increase in risky behaviors and behaviors that we may not otherwise want to engage in. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and I know you know something about that, uh, about that study and about how childhood 
trauma can affect people. So I'm just curious um, how you might how you might tell somebody what your relationship to that is, relationship to relationships and dating and sex. I'm gonna need you to like re-say that question more concise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's fine. I kind of rambled on there for a minute. So it was a two-part question. The part about the ACE score was um, people who have high ACEs might engage in more risky sexual behaviors, such as, you know, not having good sexual boundaries, doing things that they don't want to do um, with their sexual partners. And um, the rest of it was just about, um, you know, if you feel confident maintaining having and maintaining and being in healthy relationships if you feel like you know you're making good choices for yourself as far as partners and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um one thing about the a study that i uh found out was that it it was like a very kind of generalized 10 question survey. And so you couldn't get a very good understanding of what the trauma was someone was going through. And mm. some people might have had like a 10 for all 10 questions, but their trauma altogether was only like a relative, all trauma sucks. <laughs> so relative to someone else's who was extremely intense and someone's who was slightly lighter like mine and um, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference with that ACE study that's very true about the ACE study um, it's and, very broad mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know there's also a resiliency test that you can take to follow up that hmm. talks a little bit about how um certain things like if you know you felt loved by your parents then you would be more resilient through a trauma if you felt safe and secure then you know um the trauma the trauma doesn't affect you quite as deeply as if for example there's nobody there to come and lift you up and mm -hmm. hug you after this trauma's happened cool i did not know about that test that's very interesting i'm going to look into it mm. i'll send you the links after we're done sweet and I think the risky behaviors don't manifest in everyone. Because some people, like the resilience thing you were saying, are just able to handle it better. Even if they didn't have a good support system, maybe they are just able to figure out how to ha handle it. I don't like that word. Um, mm. Bounce back from with it, maybe. Yeah, like bounce back with it, unravel it so they can make it more positive, help people in the future so they don't feel that way if they're going through it. <sighs> Answers all over the place, but I don't know how to word it. I think it made pretty clear sense. Um, not everybody manages what they're going through in the same ways and some people have healthy coping school skills and some people have very little coping skills and everywhere in between on the spectrum right mm -hmm. yeah 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 you you can't tell what's going to happen 
in the future, honestly, I guess is my best answer, mm. no matter what's happened in the past. Mm, yeah, it's like, part. why did, what's that? For the most part. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, why did someone like me who was punished and spanked all the time become so against it and want to change the whole thing? But so many people say, oh, I was spanked and I turned out fine, and that's how you have to treat kids. And they just mm -hmm. go along with it. What makes the difference between those two, that kind of thing? I had this, like, actual moment. Um, I, I was in my relationship with my children's father for 11 years, for mm. a really long time. <laughs> and mm. he was um, verbally and emotionally abusive. And he would do this thing where he just kind of start to rant and he would say these things to me about me <laughs> that were just ridiculous and mm. they were so untrue and they didn't resonate with me, which was a good thing. Uh, maybe if he had been a little bit more within the realms of reality, it might've been harder for me to spot it and just be like, Oh my God. <laughs> mm. Or, I don't want to say that. I'm going to say, oh, my goodness. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I actually had this moment where he was um, saying all these things to me, and I was sitting there, and I was going, and this was years before I started, um, about two years before I started this um, Gentle Parents Unite and got on this journey to where I am now today. Mm. And I'm sitting there on my back porch and he's just saying these things to me and I'm holding my head going, why is this exact thing happening to me? And what is it that's um, really occurring here? Hmm. And I just, I had this such moment of clarity and I'm listening to him and the words are literally just bouncing off me because they make no sense in relation hmm. to who I am and what I'm going through and anything that was real and reality and that time and moment and it was that moment there and I had no idea how I was going to go about it or what I was going to do or what changes I would make but in that moment I had this moment of clarity where I went this is happening to me right now so that I can help other people in the future and help them avoid these kinds of situations provide better for their children um, <laughs> emotionally and physically and safe environments and all of that stuff when I say provide better. Um, and from there, with no idea how I was going to do it or what I was going to do, I moved forward into where I am today with, you know, an audience of over 50,000 people and podcasting and um, with our Patreon and being able to be here doing all of this because of that thing that happened to me that was quite difficult, uncomfortable, and hard. Mm -hmm. So, Veet. So oh. <laughs> see how we're all connected? Do you see that? That is not, that is not random. Like, that was amazing. I love when that happens. It makes me so happy. I was honestly about to speak as well. Really? All <laughs> yeah. right, you go, you go then, Veet. No, no, no. Mine was just an end comment. It doesn't matter. Tell me what you guys were going to say. Um, I was just curious um, how you feel 
um, the, the rest of the question is how you feel about your own personal relationships and how you relate to your own sexuality and your own um, intimate relationships. Mm. I, I'm very comfortable in my sexuality. And for relationships, I've never really sought them out because I was dealing, going, going through, going through so much intense life stuff with school. My high school put a lot of pressure on all of its, on its students. So I, I just had to deal with that. And then I dealt with the aftermath of that. And then I went to work. And then that was the same deal as school. And then I had to deal with the aftermath of that. <laughs> so I've never really put any thought into dating or anything like that yet. Mm. And I think that's a healthy thing. You're not quite 23 yet. And, um, you know, jumping into relationships is wonderful and also being alone is really a wonderful thing too that I don't think people put enough emphasis on. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to find, it's important to be able, mm, how do I want to say this? Being able to be comfortable with yourself on your own first and then going into a relationship is important. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I think I've just, like, within the last, well, I've always been comfortable on my own. But I've really figured out my comfort level with myself and staying on my own. And I like that. And now that I feel more comfortable, uh, I don't know. It's just, it feels more free in a way. Well, you know, when I was, when I was, uh, like your age and younger getting into relationships and stuff. I, I can see now that a large part of it was because I didn't have a relationship with myself and I was trying to compensate for that. Mm. I was trying to get yes. a sense of my own validity. Uh, a lot of that, I think you touch on a good point that it wasn't a good relationship with yourself. And so, um, you were seeking that validation outside of you. But a lot of that, I also think that society really puts on us this idea that we're less acceptable if we're not in a relationship and somehow being loved by another person validates us as a lovable person. <laughs> mm -hmm. I felt um, that up until like the end of high school because of everyone around me. And then society, yeah. seeing things on social media and stuff. Then I just like was realized it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then I stopped, stopped trying or anything. Yeah. You did feel that pressure uh, through, through the high school years though, eh? Mm. Through all of school. All ah. the way from grade, people, people were dating in grade four. <laughs> right, right, of course. Yeah. And all the way up to grade 12. But mm. like in high school, it was a little less so. Everyone was struggling. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> it really makes me wonder about peer pressure in general, Deets. How, how like, I, I know I, 
I, I mean, our, our school experiences were very different because I was bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that peer pressure is a real thing for people that where like your, your peers or friend groups kind of want to pressure you into doing certain things or doing things that aren't in alignment with your own values and stuff. And I'm wondering what your experience with, with peer pressure was with friends and with you maybe, maybe more acquaintances and stuff like that and, and how you, how you handled it, how you wrote that out. I thankfully didn't have any friends that would pressure me to do anything. Mm. All of us were kind of into the same stuff and not into the same stuff. Mm. So it was okay. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah. Because it sounded like you had some peer pressure. uh, You had some peer pressure sense from like the general. Yeah. Just seeing it around me. Yeah. I think Mm. just made me feel like I had to do it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's it. Just, just that. And how do you, how did you think you related to, uh, to that? Like, let's say there's someone that's in high school listening to this right now and they're feeling some kind of pressure, not only about sex, right. But about relationships or maybe homework or maybe drugs or maybe drinking or, Whatever, whatever it is that, that people find uh, peer pressure around. Mm. Um, curious what you would say to people around based on your own experience and your own knowledge of yourself now to manage that. I, I, can, I can only think of saying just don't do what you don't want to do. It's hard to say no. It's hard to say no. Right. <laughs> but when you do, for the thing you want to say no to, it feels good. Mm. It might make you have a mental breakdown, but after you have the mental breakdown, you'll feel good. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Hmm. It's like it's an act of self-love and self-respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mosey on to the next question then. Cool. Yeah. And we're we're getting kind of we're kind of like um, getting through these questions here, so that's good. Um, I've been skipping around a little bit. There's a lot of questions about school and authority. Interestingly enough, eh? Um, people seem very interested in that because our relationships with that have such a big, have such a big effect and, mm-hmm. uh, and how we treat our kids has such a big effect on their relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And this question is, is kind of connected to that in a way it says, how are you with children and what do you enjoy most about your interactions with them? How am I with children? I, yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty all right with them. <laughs> they seem to, most of them seem to like me. Uh, and the thing I enjoy the most about them is seeing their creativity and how they see the world. Mm. And what they think about and how smart all of them are. <laughs> mm. I love it. Mm. Yeah. And then making them feel good and safe 
while they're hanging out with me. Mm. Mm. Children do have a beautiful way of seeing the world. So much new perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember this one time at work, this kid came in with his, his mom. Uh, I, and they were, I, I worked in a luggage store and they were looking for a suitcase or something. And me and the kid totally hit it off. He was like six or something. Mm -hmm. And then he just, he just took me around the store and we like hung out the entire time. And I just ignored the parents. <laughs> and he, he took me on this adventure and then he wrote a story also. And it was amazing. He just pulled this like three minute long story out of his head. <laughs> And it all made sense. And it had a beginning, middle, and end. And it was amazing. <laughs> I had such a good time. <laughs> mm. And it reminded me to, to try and be a, have a more of an imagination. <laughs> to just remember my imagination. Mm. Use it more often kind of thing. Hmm. What do you think helps children feel safe? You said you like to help them feel safe. Uh, I try to make them not feel judged, I guess, with mm. everything they're saying and doing and whatnot, because they're just exploring. They don't know. Mm. I'll show them alternate to things if something's too dangerous or mm, not in the, not, not great, I guess but they still want to do it. I don't want them to, t to say no to them because they need to see what's going to happen, but I don't want them to get hurt or whatever. Yeah. Cause you've had quite a bit of experience working with young people, mm. volunteering and stuff like that. Yeah. I like the idea that you want to, uh, you want to help them experiment and explore life, but you also want to keep them safe. Mm -hmm. You want to keep, keep them safe in a way that makes them feel safe. Yeah. Exactly. And I want them to feel heard and seen. Mm. Yeah. Some of my favorite moments are when you and I are interacting with young people together. Same. Those are fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like tag team, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are times when we're in grocery stores uh, or whatever, and we're just interacting with some random kids. And because we're both giving them that kind of really positive energy and validation that they like, they just want to leave their parents and come be with us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I remember this one time the two of us were in, uh, in the no frills or whatever. And um, these parents were having some kind of issue with their kid who was still in a stroller. So maybe like one or two years old like that. And, uh, and so the two of us kind of happened to start talking to the kid and playing with him and, we were making faces and uh, just kind of giving him energy and validation. And then I handed the parents my card saying, look, check out my YouTube. And then we were saying goodbye to the kid as they were wheeling, uh, they were wheeling him, him away. And he kept craning his neck out of the stroller to keep looking at us and waving goodbye all the way to the other end of the store. He, would, he wouldn't look away. <laughs> And then we ended up kind of near them and again, and they went, there really is something different about the way you two treat children. <laughs> this doesn't happen to anybody ever with this kid. I don't know what's happening. 
Uh, do you remember that moment? I don't really, but yeah. it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it, it does sound great. We have a lot of those moments, so I'm not surprised you don't remember it. Yeah, I remember a similar mm-hmm. one. That was pretty much exact same thing, but in a Walmart. What happened? The exact same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. And what about if you want to have, uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to have kids or not. Um, you may not even have decided that yet. Mm. Have them, adopt them, whatever relationship you, you might want to end up having. Um, mm-hmm. But every time I ask people about asking you questions, the first question they ask is, is there anything that they want, you'd want to do differently when you're a parent or what is, or in general, like what's your parenting philosophy? I'm curious how you would, how you relate to that. Mm. Um, I do want to have a kid. I do not want to birth the child. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's too painful for me. And I would, I would definitely do gentle parenting like you, you guys. I don't know. I would, I would try to stay as similar to what my dad and mom did as possible. Cause it, it, it seemed to work pretty well. <laughs> um, Yeah, I want I want to let my future child know that it's okay to not tell me things. Mm. And it's okay to tell me tell me they can tell me everything, but they don't have to tell me everything. Right. Yeah. That's like the most important thing that I've thought of recently. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the, what's the, I mean, I agree. And what's the value in that? The value, the value, um, I don't know. It's too new of a thought and concept for me. Mm. I can't, I can't tell you. I haven't delved deeper into it yet to tell you a good answer. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's something I've learned about you, just doing these, these interviews and podcasts um, that I really appreciate, is that if you don't have an answer and you're not sure, you just say that. You don't like have mm-hmm. to feel pressure, like you have to know, you have to make up an answer because you really want to understand things and think them through deeply before you commit to any kind of opinion around it. And I really appreciate that ability. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that in school. So I've mm-hmm. recently developed that skill mm. to say, I don't know. And right. that's a valid answer. Right. Yeah. Hmm. It's even a very powerful answer. Um, there's so much that shows about who somebody is when they can just say, I don't know, I want to think about it more and um, evaluate it more and I'll get back to you on that one. Um, I think it's one of the most amazing things I've ever heard someone say. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. One of my uh, one of my one-liners that will perhaps find its way to a mug at some point is, uh, "I didn't teach my daughter not to lie; I taught her how to lie." And uh, I think that resonates with what you're what you're talking about too. Is that there's 
Um, you know, you want to create yourself to be as safe a space as possible for your kids. And you want to let them know that sometimes it's useful to keep things to yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes there are things that are, that you just want to deal with on your own. That's, that's valid too, you know, or, or keep to yourself. Yeah. Yep. There's such a, there's this pressure that parents put on their kids that if you don't tell me the truth, then I can't trust you. Mm-hmm. And then a kid lies, you're like, see, I can't trust you. And it's like so, ugh, so painful to hear that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the interesting thing about that is when you break apart, um, you know, there's different reasons people lie, but one of the primary reasons that people lie is because they don't feel safe with the truth. <laughs> and so, um, when somebody doesn't show us a truth, and that's not always the case, <laughs> but in a lot of cases, when somebody doesn't tell us the truth or show us the truth, it's because we ourselves aren't being a safe place for that truth. Mm -hmm. Our own reactions can vary quite a bit, too. Um, sometimes, sometimes when, um, you know, when, when we're in a relationship with somebody and we're really close to them and we understand they're nonverbal, sometimes they don't even have to say anything. So I was saying when we're in a relationship with somebody when we know them really well, um, they don't even have to say much or anything at all sometimes to make us feel judged. We can see it in their expression. We can see it in their eyes or in their body language. Mm -hmm. And I think we can also offer feedback to our loved ones when they're doing things that may be less than desirable in one way or another. And I think we can offer feedback and guidance without judgment as well. For sure. Good communication is key. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Mm -hmm. What do you think gets in the way of good communication, Vitz? Probably some, probably, definitely subconscious judgments about yourself as well as uh, how, how you were taught to communicate. How you were taught to communicate was probably, is probably it, as well as the <laughs> self-judgments. I don't know. I think it's the teaching mainly. Mm. How you how you saw it, how you saw communication about relationships, both friends or romantic or whatever, and how people taught you how to do it as well. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Both the modeling and the teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of work to learn new communication patterns once you're like mm -hmm. thirty or something. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, self-judgments. Did you say unconscious self-judgments? Yeah. Yeah, unconscious, subconscious. Mm. And that affects our ability to, like, listen clearly and express ourselves clearly? Mm-hmm. It's because it's like, I guess you think the other person's going to judge you for whatever you say, how you feel, because that's how you felt growing up 
in some ways, either from your parents or maybe it was a friend you had who you thought was close, a teacher, whatever. Mm. Mm -hmm. Ah, I hadn't thought of it that way. Right, right, right. So it stuck with you. Mm. And then we project that onto the people that we're with in the present. Mm Mm-hmm. whether it's accurate or not. Yep. Mm. Well, I have to say, I'm looking through this list of questions and it seems like we have answered all of them. Sweet. I thought we would only get through a few, but we seem to have get through, we seem to have gotten through, um, through a lot of them. And, uh, and that's amazing. That's amazing. It's been so amazing talking to you, Beans. Um, it's been pretty fun yeah. answering these questions. For sure. I love watching your mind work. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I've also really heard you say a few times that in the last year or two, you've learned a lot about yourself. And you've done a lot of growing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really interesting to me, too, that, you know, um, that you've had, a, you've had some kind of like life life change that's made you even accelerate your, your self-knowledge and your growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as we, as we draw this uh, interview to a close, I'm wondering if both, I'm thinking, and this is something that I wanted to ask you about, both with, there's two separate questions. I'll, I'll ask them both and then I'll ask them one at a time. Okay. Um, but if you could tell parents one thing, and I say one in quotes because it doesn't have to be one, but one thing that would be really the most important thing to keep in mind to form a deep, trusting, connected relationship with their kids. Because you and I have this quite a, quite a I would say quite a beautiful relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so what's one thing that you would tell parents and then I'm going to say the same thing to kids, that managing themselves and keeping, for keeping a sense of themselves in their homes and, and w- in their lives what would be something that you would want to tell kids. Um, and it can be a young kid all the way up to teenagers. Um, let's start with parents first. What would you want to tell parents? What would you want them to know about their kids, about themselves, about the way they are and the way they rela- relate to their family? Um, I think it's important to remember that all the way up until 18, 19, uh, kids, teens are still discovering the world and all its new stuff for them to learn about. And it's important to help them understand what's going on with these new things they're finding in an un in a non judgy environment mm. yeah mm. Yeah, you know, they say our brains aren't fully formed until we're 25. Mm-hmm. They're still going. I mean, I think they grow all our lives, but like the actual maturity of growing into adulthood, it 
takes till about 25, they say, before the brain settles mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. mm, that's, that's amazing. I appreciate that. Mm. It's hard to, it's hard, it can be hard for parents uh, to keep in mind the fact their kids are on a learning path. For sure. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> really, eh? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> About yourself, you mean, or about others? Yes, no, about myself. Uh -huh. Others I always remember, but myself I don't. Do you find yourself criticizing yourself and then remembering that kind of thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly how I feel. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I was saying, I, I think that it helps parents remember that their children are on a learning path when they themselves are continuing their learning path. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to ask about kids too. How, so, uh, you know, like if, if young people are listening to this and, uh, and they're hearing about, you know, your life and your self-knowledge and your processes, and they're trying to keep a sense of themselves, maybe they, maybe from school, maybe from their their parents um, being coercive. What would you tell young people that can help them with their relationship with themselves? Explore and ask questions to learn more. I think not education, but knowledge is important. And if you have more information than less, it's always helpful. About everything. Mm. Yeah. Explore and have fun and ask questions. <laughs> That's what I say. Amazing. Explore, have fun, and ask questions. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I You're very welcome. Love what you say. <laughs> So I did have one final question that I wanted to ask, um, if you've got time for that. Is, um, I really love talking to you and hearing about you and all of your amazing, really deep thoughts. But mm -hmm. what I'd really like to know is a little bit about you. Um, what are you passionate about? What gets you excited? What makes you smile? I photography photography is my favorite thing <laughs> i love taking pictures <laughs> of just anything that's that's what i'm that's what makes me smile and also i love sneakers like nike and jordans and stuff and their history awesome mm -hmm. those would be my two two things i would say yeah, and uh, and if Thank I may, you for sharing that with us, of course. If I may say so, I I feel like you're an extremely intuitive photographer. You uh, are able to see things and that I just don't even notice, and uh, and uh, and I love, yeah, I really I love when when you take pictures and we all go through them together. It's really a, a great experience. It's a fun time. You. Yeah. Took a lot of practice. Hmm. Continuous practice. <laughs> it's fun. 
for sure. For sure. It's a way of kind of awakening how you see the world too around you. Mm-hmm. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, my friends. Thank you, Vitz, for being on the show with us again. It's been a great time. Thanks for having me back. For sure. Mm-hmm. Anytime. Sh- Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. And we'll do this again uh, at some point and maybe we can like uh, switch up the format in some way. We'll think of something creative and different that we can do. We've done two with audience questions. Maybe we'll find some other way of some other way of uh, of doing it next time. Cool, I'm into it. Yeah, and Sujai, my friend, collaborating with you is uh, always a joy and uh, and always uh, something that's nourishing and uplifting for my spirit. Mm, likewise, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. So, folks, um, if you'd like to join us and learn more about us, you can join our public Facebook group, which is Gentle Parents Unite. We have over 50,000 members at this point, so there's a lot of people there. And it's great because you can see all sorts of people with all sorts of issues that they're dealing with with parenting. And the admin team there, there's like just around 25 of us, and they're really powerful, wise people who all follow the gentle parenting path, and they share their ideas and the community supports. Um, and for more very, very personal and consistent support, I would recommend joining the Patreon that Sujai and I host. And we do uh, so many events throughout the week, so many support events throughout the week. There are play groups for the kids on Zoom, especially now that we're isolated, that makes a big difference. Uh, We have coaching calls. Sujai and I both do coaching calls where people come on and ask questions and we give specific answers and support and the community supports as well. Um, I do a weekly meditation, sometimes twice weekly, then these meditations are all designed specifically for parents and working with the mind and the emotions and the body-mind relationship to help us empower us as parents and working through the the challenges and the joys of parenting. And we also, there's a full full parenting workshop every week that I I do every Thursday, and uh, Sujai's going to join me this week, actually. And um, I pick a topic and I go into depth around that topic for an hour or two. And so there's like so much available to you in there. And, um, and we start at, it's a, it's, a paid, it's, a, it's a paid subscription service. It helps us support our work that we're doing. And it starts at a very reasonable $4 a month. So because we really want to make it accessible for people who don't have a lot of money. And if you do, if you're still working during this time and you have some sustenance, then we always would appreciate it if you pay more, but it's all done through the honor system. If you can't afford to pay more, it helps us in supporting our work. And, uh, and so there's really great stuff that happens there every week. And we'd like you to join us. You just go to patreon.com and type in Gentle Parents Unite and you can find us. And I also have a whole bunch of articles that I've written um, my personal social media is Meaningful Ideas, so you can find me on MeaningfulIdeas.com as my blog, and then most of my recent writing is on Facebook at Meaningful Ideas, and I have almost 60 videos, parenting videos of really helpful information at this point on um, Meaningful Ideas on YouTube. Oh, and the Patreon space, since I go live every Thursday, there's something like, there's something like 20 uh, hour two hour long videos on there with, because all the lives are kept on videos. So this is huge video library for the patrons as well. And I know Sujai offers all sorts of really deep support in working through our triggers and working through our past trauma and all sorts of different uh, methods that she's created 
uh, and, and worksheets and, um, and different uh, strategies for that. And so there's so much, the parents that are there and are consistently working through stuff every week are having continuous transformations in their lives and in their families. And it's a real honor to be able to be part of that. Um, so yeah, so that's it, everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, did you wanna say something, Sujai? No, just wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agreeing with everything that you said, the, the Patreon space is really amazing. Um, the community there is incredibly supportive and it's just amazing the progress that our members are making and reporting back to the, all of the resources available to you as parents in the Patreon group are life-changing and worth the investment. And I'd like to remind people too that, you know, you can subscribe and unsubscribe or change your subscription tier to what suits you best at any time. And we really appreciate your support in our work and continuing to be able to spread this gentle parenting word and support parents through everything that they're going through. Help make life a little bit better for a lot of people. Thank you, Sujai. And thank you, Beats, one more time. No problem. It's All been a right. pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. It has been a blast. I love, I love you both. And we will see all of you next week. Thank you very much. Bye.